Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Uh, are we all back to the interval? Audience. Hello, audience. Thank you. Uh, did you have a lovely interval? Uh, there are clearly some people still just waiting to be served at the bar, uh, but we're going to get started without them. Um, we are inclusive up until a point. <laughs> if you're buying alcohol for long enough, we reserve the right to exclude you. Uh, yeah, but those Gra people Grayson come in. and I did push in in the queue. Did so. you like? <laughs> did you push in like big Which, celebrities? Yeah, it was yeah. a terrible hierarchical non. Not wow, cool that's thing. so exclusionary a, on the basis of apologize. status. Yeah, did you did you go we're performers and we've got a tab at the bar? Yeah. I said that and then I said forget about the white people serve me. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm kidding. And I said <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> did you then just quickly go oh, I'm a lesbian, that's something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've I got a thing. I've got a thing. I've got a thing. It's fine. I've got a thing. It's all right. It was a uh, late onset, but late still. On the, yeah. <laughs> late, late on the, yeah, you exactly. were more privileged until so what age? What age did you own your? Did it I don't know how do you? I don't see. I don't know the terminology to say. No, me neither. Uh, thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. I mean, yeah. who else had an epiphany at thirty-eight? Was it you? You had a thirty-eight-year-old epiphany. When I am thirty-eight right now, so I'm. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm a little slow. No, slow your epiphany was about like becoming, growing into yourself, and becoming <laughs> a new person, and like and ditching your career and stuff. Stop being racist against black people. Yeah, yeah. Thirty-eight, yeah. Thirty-eight is apparently a great age to have epiphanies, and I won't be there for a long time. So that's <laughs> sad for me that I have, but I have so much to look forward to. You could laugh less loudly. That deserves a tiny titter, and and a lot of people going. Oh, Maybe, maybe she's 31 and not any laughter. It doesn't deserve any laughter. And it saddens me that anyone's laughed at that um, as if it was risible. And it's now saddened me that people have laughed at me feeling sad. Um, this could go on a long time. Uh, okay, are we ready for our second half? Uh, Sarah Barron had to go because she's a mother. She's got a thing. Uh, she has. It's, it's called a child. <laughs> no, I mean she's got an she's got an angle. She's just brought a child into this world, this world of Trumpageddon, um, and is now trying to send him back. Um, so she needed to go home to breastfeed the child because that's right, women wean the world. Um, so we have new members of our panel. Um, so I'm going to sit down and bring them on. Uh, so our panel. Uh, now includes, in, uh, as well as our previous guests, uh, the wonderful Desiree Birch. And Shazia Mirza. Absolutely. And uh, we, are, we are very excited to have you guys. Um, thank you so much for coming. Uh, so Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Thanks for welcome. Thanks making this happen. Yeah. Well, I... I um, I wanted to ask you, Desiree, and we want to get questions from you guys as well, um, but I just want to start off just so we've got our new guests rolling. 
Uh, Desiree, you're African American. Yes, yes, I am. Um, how are you feeling about this? Uh, I'm real fucking pissed. Um, yeah, not in the good way yet. Uh, working on it, didn't eat much today, so keep the wine flowing. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 it's starting to subside, but not really. Like, I, I, and I, it was interesting when I went onto social media, as it always is for all of us, when we are confronted with like the phony realities that we engage with all the time, and you know how much uh, my uh, countrymen back at home, my friends were, you know, very much about like, you know, like let's organize and let's do all of this stuff. And I, you know, was just I posted like a screed on my Facebook about like, hey, can we stop being plucky fucking America for one second and feel this shit happen? We all just got kicked in the cooter hard can we please please just feel the hurt about it right now because I mean and particularly it was interesting because how it broke down amongst my you know white liberal friends and my people of color friends because you know uh, a, a lot of us are just kind of like I, I, I was just yesterday I was like Fuck America, I'm fucking done. I am so fucking over you, and I don't owe you a goddamn thing. Like when my, you know, I had other, I have other American friends here who are doing a show, and you know, one of them was like, you know, I was looking for, you know, some European guy to marry, but really like, you know, that's very privileged of me, and I need to go back and fight. And I'm like, I don't need to do shit for that fucking country. I'm so fucking done with you. Like it has given me nothing but like a weakened sense of self and a false sense of history, and like, you know, just, uh, you know, like it's. it's it's rapacious, you know, and it's, it is a, you know, pinnacle of capitalism and everything that is fucking wrong and like, and uh, completely lying about all of its ideals all the time, saying one thing and doing another. I don't owe that bitch shit. And I was just so upset. And is I'm sorry. Is it wrong that I'm, I'm sorry about all the language, but I'm heated. Oh, you should have been here for the first half. Um, I. <laughs> is it wrong that I really am hoping this is going to turn into Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive? Like, I just like to America, and so you're back from outer space. Outer space. Yeah, yeah um, I wish it had been to outer space. It might have learned something. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so essentially, are you? Will will you? Do you feel actually, literally, like bedding down here and not going back there? I mean. Uh, Basically, from Tuesday night on, I really did. I've been feeling that way here for a little bit. Um, it's not really feasible because of the way that my career works. Like, you know, I do go back and forth, so it's not like I'm never going to go back. But, uh, you know, a Wednesday morning, late Tuesday night, like 5 a.m., and then the next day, I just felt like I had no country, you know? <laughs> and that's just, you were just like, oh, I guess I am American because I'm completely free from like every, you know, like from any place anymore. And, um, you know, I don't know how I will feel going forward. I definitely think that like, you know, that sense of like duty and like I've got to be part of the change and whatever will eventually kick in if I find my way into it. But um, yeah, like right now I really, you know, like I really feel like all of these, you know, sort of black luminaries that I look up to, like if I'm like, I'm just gonna pull a James Baldwin and be like, peace out this bitch. Cause I'm like, just, you know, like I, I can say all the things that I wanna say, but in the end of the day, like I wanna live a human life and there's only so many cheeks I can turn, you know, to get slapped in again before I'm just like, Everything okay. you've said, I want to make a t-shirt. Like, literally, <laughs> I've got like 
12 t-shirts. I have a whole new wardrobe. I'm oh just, my God, let's do it right Desiree now. Things Desiree has said right now. You have a very good turn of phrase for these things. But it's a Luckily, hell of a we're recording this. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a thing that being, you know, in, being in the UK post-Brexit, feeling like this is a shit show. To have someone saying, I'd rather be here I'd is yeah. fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking to Sarah about it before um, before we started recording, which probably, probably should have recorded it. Um, and she was saying, do you, do you think this is worse than Brexit? Because her husband, who's British, suggested that this was on a par or not as bad as Brexit. And of course this is fucking worse than Brexit. Brexit, we've only shot ourselves in the foot. It's only it's oh, that's it's, a t-shirt too. Hey, yeah. um, t-shirt competition. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it's only it's only it's only the UK that's going to suffer because of Brexit. But Trump in the White House, everyone's screwed. Yeah, I mean there will be a knock-on effect from Brexit. I think Europe, especially now, Trump's in the White. If Hillary had gone into the White House, I'd be like, okay, there's Brexit. But the mood of the wider world. Mm. But now I worry how many more countries are going to start. Uh, shoeing globalization in, in uh, quote marks if you're listening at home and you can't see me uh, and you know just like uh, start to start to pull, pull away into we're all a, select, a collection of angry villagers again France just is wobbly France is next France is so wobbly I feel like, yeah. I feel like there's there's a, a, we open we sort of loosened the jar oh, we do we so fucking loosened the jar uh, there's a question from the audience do you think because you're talking about Brexit in this do you think that maybe just maybe Europe's gonna and Britain's gonna realize that that's now more than ever Europe needs to stay united and because of the voting parliament. No, Brexit, so. absolutely okay. not. Just because just the same, it's the same sort of idiots that have led the Brexit thing and that are in charge now. So your question was, uh, is it possible that the Trump will be a wake up call for Europe and we will realize we have to be united and we don't also want to be Trumpian? Hope is hope is the mm -hmm. thing with feathers. Absolutely. The thing is, and as well, if you look at uh, Theresa May's response to uh, uh, Trump's election, um, <laughs> then uh, you know that sort of signals about how uh, our government is going to respond to this. It was a, f it was wildly different from Merkel because she's on her way out, <laughs> uh, as a person standing in, and people said, "Oh, well, you know, she's got to say that because uh, uh, it's really bad for diplomacy if she doesn't." And that's similar to what people said about when Sweden brought out a feminist foreign policy and criticised uh, Saudi Arabia um, for its human rights violations. And people were like, well, you can't do that because, you know, we've got a, you know, that's really bad and you've got to be able to engage and uh, need to sell weapons and ah. ah. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, well, what, what kind of leadership do we want in that context? Um, do we want, you know, I think there are nuances in diplomacy where you can at the same time as, you know, emphasizing that you don't yourself support the misogyny and you know <laughs> the racism uh, also strive to work with someone and say that you'll work with them on those terms and within those values and that's not what happened and what you're going to see now possibly is those uh, very far right right voices um in the right pull the whole of the right to the right lots of rights but very wrong um uh because as they they, they feel now empowered by this outcome Mm. Um, and they're able to say, hey, we've got it right. Farage and we're onto a certainly thing here. does. I mean, right. Farage, he is despicable. But someone said to me today, he is openly now making alliances with European Nazis, like actual people de who declare themselves as Nazis. I don't think they just meant, you know, sidebar of shame. I think they meant people who say they're neo-Nazis. 
and uh, that hand up just like that too. Yeah, I did. It, that was a reflex. That's how it was. It was like it, if you, again, if you're listening at home, it was a gesture that could have been misconstrued. It was a tiny bit Doctor Strange could love. It was folks a little, little Doctor Strange love. Um, but it was also just a definitive gesture from a powerful woman. So you know, not everything is a Nazi salute. Um, there's a t- there's a t-shirt. t-shirt. Not everything is a Nazi that's, salute. That's, that might be my favourite t-shirt so yeah. far. Absolutely. Uh, and sorry, can uh, I just can yeah. I just say the capitalist instinct to make everything into a t-shirt is disgusting. <laughs> oh, free t-shirts. I'm giving them away yeah. at the right. commune. So you know, Shazia, I'm just concerned we haven't heard from you. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Well, welcome. Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, one thing I want to ask you about is uh, you were raised Muslim. Trump has made this horrible statement that he's not going to let uh, Muslim people in, come into America. Is that a genuine fear for you? Do you think that well, could possibly I, come Well, I've been working in America for about 12 years. I uh, know, that's why I'm saying Yeah, that. and I always do really well in America because they think I'm Mexican. Um, <laughs> so, I did as soon as you came out. I did too, I did too. But now they hate Mexicans as well, so I'm fucked. <laughs> What can I pretend to be next? You're going to have just a wall around you. Uh, I know. <laughs> well, I, I've had an O-1 visa and I've toured all over America, uh, but obviously I stay in the safe places, New York, San Francisco and LA. And um, a year ago, my lawyer said to me, you've got to get a green card because if Trump gets in, it's going to get really difficult for you. Uh, but I've never had any problems getting in. But um, my Muslim friends... Uh, a few of them in, in America, in New York, have stopped wearing the hijab because mm. uh, they're worried, because they're going to be attacked. Because after Brexit, I mean, I'm from Birmingham. Uh, obviously, I don't live there anymore because I'm doing well. But um, <laughs> I am... Um, um, no, really. Um, <laughs> honestly. Uh, um, but the thing is... Um, I don't, I don't know why people are ashamed to say they're from Birmingham. It looks, it looks quite nice now that it's finished. And um, <laughs> I am... Um, As an architect, I, I'm going to tell you... I went to Birmingham and I was like, where are these spaceships coming from? Like, oh, giant silver things amongst all these beautiful buildings. And I'm like, who the fuck was this architect? You should have seen it in the 70s. It has um, the greatest indoor market in it's the amazing. world. Everything you can buy pillowcases and pound, fish from the same store. Bra- they sell bras and fish. It's and magic. Yeah. Yeah. For a pound, both are a pound. Oh. Um, anyway, um, after, after Brexit, um, I, I couldn't understand... See, I couldn't understand Brexit because Birmingham voted out. And Birmingham is full of immigrants. It's full of Irish, Afro-Caribbean, Indian, Pakistani, Jewish. So I couldn't understand why they had voted out. But um, I asked my dad, a lot of his cousins and relatives, they voted out. And it was immigrant on immigrant racism. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm in. Now, let me just pull up the ladder behind me yeah. so no more others can get in. You know, we can't have the immigrants coming over here stealing the immigrants' jobs. <laughs> well, I'm an immigrant. I'm, I'm always. I mean, I know I'm not. You know, I, I'm, yeah. a, I'm the kind of immigrant you could like. Let's be clear. Yeah. Yeah. It's true though. I am. Like, I went. To, it's true. I know I am. I'm. I'm white. I read a lot of Venus Blyton as a child, so I sound quite posh. <laughs> and I went to Oxford University, and I was a nanny when I first got here. I'm basically Mary Poppins. <laughs> you know why she? You know why she came in on a flying umbrella? Visa issues. <laughs> but um, a friend of mine was abused on the street in Birmingham after Brexit, and it was Ramadan, so she's wearing Asian clothes. And this woman came up to her and said, "Haven't you left yet?" <laughs> 
And my friend said, I was born here. And this woman said, well, change your fucking clothes then. And this woman was wearing a pink Terry Towling tracksuit. <laughs> I swear. And she had come up and just said, haven't you left yet? Yeah. And um, I just thought, we've gone backwards. We've gone back to the 70s. You know, obviously that's hilarious because, you know, human trash coming up and, you know, whatever. But also, I mean, like, you know, the larger thing in there, which I think, you know, is also clearly relevant in America and everywhere else is just sort of like, okay, well, it's like, well, haven't you read a, like, history book yet or looked at geography? Like, this is not what Brexit's going to do. Have you actually read about the thing you're voting for whatsoever? But I just find it so stunning all the time about you know, how ill-informed about not only just the current politics, but like the histories of things that people are and, you know, going out and making decisions that really change the course of history without understanding where it's come from or what the context is. I mean, you know, like the, the astounding thing about Brexit was, you know, just like you understanding the history of Europe and the Union and, and you know, mm -hmm. then immediately like going, no, and fuck polls, like, really? You're going to turn on the polls? Like, after all of... Okay, fine. You know, and coming from America, I can't say shit because, like, we just, like, all our history books are like, we're great, you know? And then, like, you close the book and you go to your next class, you know? They're like, slavery happened, but those people were bad then, you know? And it's like, you know... Well, yeah, I mean, basically, and the same thing happens with World War II. It's like, we can now start to understand the, like, setup of, like, all of, you know, of, you know, Nazi Germany, but, like, you know, when we read about it, it's like, oh, well, people will were just morally weak or different or you know bad then and it's like no like these things happened gradually and there were people saying things and other people weren't listening to them and there were people who wanted to go back to something before because because that's the way history and evolution work is going back to some other thing that was better before like no that's not something we can ever do and so it's just so painful to me because it's so I mean simple to look at recorded history, since that's what distinguishes us as like, you know, sentient beings, is the fact that like we've recorded these things that have happened and to look at them and go, we already did this shit and it didn't work, first of all. And you know, like we're gonna have to come up with a new idea and not a repackaging of the old idea. I'm always stunned, no matter, you know, having come to the United Kingdom and talking to friends who are well-educated here and who are like, oh yeah, well we never really learn about like colonialism. And I'm like, in Britain you don't learn about colonialism is hilarious but like you know our, our education as Americans on slavery is always super it's just like look at all these sad weak black people like not throwing the chains off of themselves I guess they really like their masters and like they really didn't have anything going for them until we brought them over here is the implicit message that you get and like you're the brown kid in class everyone's looking at it like that's that's you right that's your you know and so you learn that internalized self-loathing and that sort of you know that where that sort of racism comes from and where you internalize it is like, oh, well, I guess, you know, like, you know, I have to be better than because I guess I am less than. And it's, you know, the, the miseducation that every single uh, country and community gives its people, you know, in order to sort of be like, we're really great and everything we did before that might have been bad was really not that big of a deal and we did more great things. And it's like, no, part of becoming an adult entity, whether you're a human or a culture, is to go, oh yeah, we fucked that up beyond all repair and there's no going back and there's nothing to do but say sorry and to look at it and to never forget that I did that because 
I can't ever do it again. And so to me, when they talk about, you know, in the States, when they talk about like reparations and people are like, Haha. I'm like, to me, reparations looks like accurate education of the people, of being like, this is what our country's actually done. That's, that's all I want, you know? We have a question up the back there. question from the floor was in the let's not say from the floor what's your name helen. a question from helen uh in the spirit of learning from the past how much can we hold the media accountable it's a really good question actually because the the media in 1930s germany and it, 1930s britain i hold them 100 the daily britain. mail then and the daily mail now yeah not yeah. poles apart i hold them 100 percent accountable part of the reason why i want to go into media I, I can't stand any more celebrity news. As soon as I hear it, I shut it off. I open up a book because I am so, I, I fucking don't care who's getting divorced. I don't care who Prince Harry is dating. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. What I care about is knowing that Russia is sitting on our doorstep. What I care about is knowing that people are beating each other up in the streets because they belong to different political parties. Why is this happening? That is what I care about because I want the world to be a better place. But apparently, Brad and Angelina getting divorced is going to make the place, this world a better place, which I disagree with. <laughs> People lying, politicians, full out lying, saying this is what's gonna happen if you leave Brexit, and not being accountable for it, and the media covering it, and not mm. doing the research to say, Actually, and never this doing the thing like saying, but you you guys said on the bus, you guys said there'd be 350 million yeah. more for the NHS every 10 seconds. Uh, when's that happening? <laughs> there was and a it's bus. Like, it's going to cost us billions to leave. Billions. It's, it's not. It's not just a great question. It's the question. I think. It's oh, the media. Helen, Helen I mean, well done. You've asked, yeah, the, yeah, you yeah. asked the question. Because, <laughs> because not only are we being stuffed by a right-wing media, we're be, we're and I love the BBC. I think the BBC is really important, but there and we want to be on it, and we do want <laughs> yes. to be on it as so much as possible. Six thirty p.m. from the twenty seventh of December. Um, but there, the the news's quest for balance stuffs us absolutely. Mm. When you whether it was Brexit or whether it's climate change, they'll go, they'll get on one of the or two of the ninety five percent of climate change scientists who say this is a problem. And for balance, they'll get Nigel Lawson go coming on, going, he's probably fine. <laughs> and that's given John equal did a weight. Piece on that, where he said like 97% of scientists, uh, or, or 99 or something percent of scientists are saying this, and then there's this one sort of crackpot, basically. And so he got, he said for, ba in, for balance, he got 99 scientists in white coats saying one thing, and for balance, one person saying another. And then when you see it like that, it's not one and one. It's, uh, that's, that is balance. That is balance. We have another question. So the irony is, it's not such a question, but it's the point of, in media, I worked on Sky TV for five years. I'm so sorry. Worked in Sky TV for five years, just so you can hear at home. <laughs> She's no longer there and she needs you to know that. She's no longer there. She's repeated that three times. I'm no longer there. I'm no longer there. I'm no longer there. It's what she says to get to sleep. I'm no longer there. It's all right. I'm no longer there. What, what's your name? You don't have to say your full no, name now. PTSD. It's um, not that, though. It's, it's actually what the public are consuming. 
and media is only selling what the public appetite is to consume. So it's actually oh, I, okay. I don't, I don't is the public appetite to consume? Yeah. So people, their inner self is actually wanting to consume these negative things they're reading. I no, I, I I agree with you on that point. But then I have to, even though we're asking how much is the media accountable, how much are we accountable by continuing to watch it or continuing to listen or creating memes or ever, passing Have the you memes? ever tried to escape it? I mean, it is it's, mm. it's I a have. Really, I educated myself. really hard thing to, to escape that and to avoid... My, Every, you know, to avoid uh, every kind of misogyny that, you know, I went on recently yeah, on a, I tried to ban myself from watching um, programs where women were fodder for serial killers. And Whoa. we don't have a TV anymore. True story. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, there's nothing else on TV. Uh, and, you know, or, or the drunk uh, single mum. Or, uh, and, you know, one of our six, six goals at the Women's Equality Party is equality in the media. We know it has. It's such an opportunity. It's such a huge opportunity. And the thing, the pushback is always, oh, this is really hard to do, though, because we've got this whole, like, freedom of speech thing going on. And, and a lot is hidden behind freedom of speech. And we, we stumbled across this a lot recently. When we start, there's been a lot of conversation about women's, the online abuse of women, right? And what you have to think about when you look at the online abuse of women is that the internet was created um, by for men, uh, by the founding fathers of the internet, uh, for white uh, men. And when they created it, they created it in their own image and with a set of values around privacy and around freedom. Uh, and there was a moment in, in the feminist world, I want to go to that place, I don't know where it is, in the feminist <laughs> world where um, we all thought maybe the internet was going to be this moment of empowerment for women because for the first time we were going to be disembodied, right? Mm. It was going to be a text-driven exchange of information. We were going to be separated from our bodies that limit us so much and we were going to be unidentifiable. Uh, and they didn't predict that actually the image, uh, images were going to hit the internet. And, and when they did uh, and they took over text content, um, and suddenly it did the opposite and women's uh, online abuse went through the roof. And it went through the roof and it was no longer just this group of guys who are really concerning but aren't us. Uh, if you look at revenge porn as an example, it's not the person who commits the revenge porn. It's the thousands of people who then participate in redistributing and commenting on that. Mm. And, it's, and, and that's just, you know, guys I, you know. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, um, I, I work in Holocaust education and on the 8th of November I'm actually going to be speaking at Alfred Bloom's conference about Holocaust Do you are you are you sort of saying if we go oh he's like Hitler that immediately minimizes it in a way because we go well nobody's Hitler 
So is it, bit, is it like a Godwin's Law problem that you think? I think, it's, I think it's partly that, and then I think it's also just that <coughs> it's, it's almost too easy, <coughs> I think. I think that it means that we, we don't fully pay attention to the, to the huge number of, of historical and cultural issues that have led to where we are now, the things that are happening today. Um, I think it's. I think we do it when we're afraid as liberals because we want to disassociate ourselves and say we're, you know, we're immediately saying this this thing is really terrible and here's an example of the most terrible thing we can think right, of. Right. Okay. And I just wondered, like, so do we minimise our own responsibility by evoking the past and saying, oh, it's like Hitler? Uh, do we need to be, pay, pay more attention to what's happening now and see that see where those things are different and where they're the same? Just hopping back for a second to the the media thing, I think a big. Um, uh, problem with liberalism and neoliberalism is the idea that we can uh, reclaim and reform institutions from within. Um, so I think a big, big part of the solution to uh, dealing with media bias is to to seek out new forms of media, such as podcasts. Um, and and uh, in that spirit, and going back to your point about colonialism, learning about colonialism, colonial. Yeah. I'd like to... It's hard to say. It sticks in the throat. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd just like to recommend a media channel that you can uh, seek out uh, called uh, Crimes of Britain on, twi on Twitter uh, that posts several times a day highlighting uh, Britain's colonial past uh, in uh, India, Africa, <laughs> our involvement with the slave trade, and um, persecution of uh, uh, the Irish. Um, and I've only been following it for a little while. It's been incredibly eye-opening because, yeah, we don't, we don't learn mm. about it. Yeah. But back, back to the normalization of Trump by comparisons to him. Mm. Well, I mean, I, that is such a fascinating point that I hadn't fully considered, but listening to it, I think that, I, yeah, I definitely think that it has some clout, but I also think that part of the reason that we do not like that that serves to minimize uh, the present is because, you know, like we make that comparison to Hitler, but we don't know what it means because we don't really understand the context, not only of that times, that history, but even our own more recent history and those things that have led up. I mean, even if we could make, if we could make the parallels because we understood the context, then we could also discriminate uh, uh, what the differences were and what other influences were happening that made things different. And, and just listening to what you're saying, I'm like, oh, wow, that makes a, a lot of sense. But I think that even still uh, knowing more about the history and about the context would allow us to look at this differently and not make those comparisons or when we do immediately be challenged by people who would be like, I mean, yeah, I see how it's like this in X, Y, and Z, but it's not like this in A, B, and C and actually have that dialogue, which would be far more interesting. Um, and just to sort of harken back to, to what you've been saying earlier in, in the first half, um, I think that it's... There, there is something about this idea of, of um, people sort of consume certain things and then that feeds what other, you know, media sources put out and it's this weird sort of feedback loop. And, you know, it's hard to talk about um, these issues in media in isolation because, you know, I'm sort of on like Avery's camp of like you can't 
you know, uh, deal with any of this until you start to deal with capitalism itself and like the way that that fuels all of these problems that we are talking about and the ways in which we need to, you know, if not, you know, completely, you know, obliterate that establishment, at least I, I don't know if there's a way to, to find ways where it's like, but not everything can function in that way if we are to have a true, you know, democracy where people are informed and, you know, <laughs> all of that kind of thing like it can't it can't just be like whatever sells because like you know i think it infantilizes all of us you know because like we can all just reduce to like i mean what i want to do all the time is be fed like you know like booze and weed and masturbate do you know what i mean and if and if you're willing to do that then i guess just you know like is this okay and everyone's like yeah sure it is if you keep giving us your cash and then that you know continue well i need to do this to get the cash and yeah. And someone so said to me the other sound day, like a better world. Yeah. Yeah. Someone, I mean, someone said to me the other day that they have a fr they have a friend and she they said she's a feminist but she edits one of these really horrible trashy magazines like the the really bad ones the ones that just on the front just have a big ring around someone woman's cellulite and then on page one it's like say the next page is like this woman doesn't eat enough she's too thin this woman needs too much she's fat this woman doesn't eat enough she said until by the end of the magazine you're like have a biscuit in one hand and you're like like crying. Um, and she said, and she's a feminist. I said, no, she isn't. She's not. If she edits that magazine, she isn't. And she said, well, what she says is, this is just what the people want. And I said, I could make more money by dealing arms. People want them. Yeah. People want, I could sell landmines. People want them. People yeah. want to blow up people with landmines. Yeah. I'm just giving them what they want. Like, it's just, you can't live like that. It's also, people it's, want all sorts of shit. And what they want it's changes just too. When you, when you make, and, and I, I, I not bad sugar argument, though, right? and I, <laughs> I understand that argument, but it is, it's sugar. People, it, it does things to your brain that means you are going to consume more. And shitty newspapers, I despise, but if there's a big um, front page headline that's interesting, I will look at it because it sparks something in my brain that says, oh, that's interesting. However awful it is, and I don't try and consume these things, but I do think the papers and the sugar manufacturers, have a, have a, do have more of a responsibility. It's not good enough to say, we're just giving you what you want because there's not enough, there's not enough choice. I mean, isn't that capitalism too? Like, I mean, yeah, there is absolutely. supply and demand, they work together. And so if you are supplying cer certain things, maybe sometimes actually demand goes up as opposed to down, you know, because there's more of it and people are like, this is what I should want or what I do want now. We've got a question there. There's, there's two things. So who are we in the class? Are we, are we the class? So just, so if one child fails on the class, the teacher's not blamed, but if every, every child in the class is, is fails, then the teacher is blamed. Um, there's more for a case for looking at the environment for learning, um, as opposed to the environment in which maybe just one child needs to learn. So uh, you're saying because 
because Brexit happened, we need to look at the GCSE class that is the Daily Mail <laughs> and go, yeah. Um, but even more so, even more so, I think in the states, with Trump, how, how, <laughs> have has Trump? I mean, uh, that's sort of all I can all, all I can do with the last forty-eight hours is how. Because has America Trump is has full of hate, and it's well, exactly, never admitted that, exactly. what it's done. And because it hasn't, it can continue to be like, oh, that was a different time, and we're different, and and we can couch it in other things, and it won't ever come out and be like our entire foundation and like first world capitalism is built on racism. And until we go back and re-educate that, nothing's ever going to change. That's why. It's, that was, that's it. That's it. I'm sorry that's your answer, there's, but it is. No. There's a hand up. There's a hand at the back and there's, there's various hands. Someone shout. Include yourself. Hi. Um, yeah, I want to ask a question about... I, I'm, I feel like I'm in shock because there was a, a certainty that I think we all sort of felt that there was So the question is, did the Liberal press drop the ball, make us all complacent, because fewer people voted in this election than did in the previous one? And, uh, and I, there were some figures today. Clinton garnered 129,000 fewer votes in heavily Democratic Detroit than Obama did four years ago and lost the state by around 61,000 votes. So, she, so it was actually people not showing up. She also uh, got 95,000 fewer votes in heavily Democratic Milwaukee than Obama did and lost the state by 73,000 votes. So had, uh, they, they just weren't that excited about showing up for Clinton. But I would have thought, it didn't matter whether they were excited about Clinton, that they would, that they would get excited about not Trump because he's like a Batman villain. I would get it if it were John McCain and they're like, eh, like, eh, her or him, eh. But it's Trump. It's, it's Hermione Granger versus Biff Tannen. <laughs> and, it's, and Biff wins. What? And it, we're now living in Back to the Future too. To be fair, Hermione Granger wasn't as present at Benghazi. No, I, no it's, it's, like, it's like evil Hermione Granger <laughs> versus Biff. But it's but it's, it is but it is. I think he just normalised sexism. If there were, if yeah. any one of his stories, any one and racism, if any like within himself, like if any one of his stories had happened to another candidate, that candidate's presidency would be over. When the, mm. when this tape came out on the bus, I was in America and I was just like, oh well, that's it, <coughs> it's over, it's over, and I was like, oh wow, I don't have to worry anymore because if that happened to any other candidate in history. It would have been over. There's this whole song in Hamilton where Aaron Burr, there's a sex scandal, and they sing, never going to be president now. It's one less thing to worry about, one less thing to worry about. And I sang that, I tweeted that, and then, I don't mean to say I've got a lot in common with him, but Lin-Manuel Miranda sang it on Saturday Night Live about the same thing. Just came up to his picture and went, never going to be president now. And we were wrong. And it was because that story would break, two hours later, another story would break, two hours later, until that became wallpaper. And people are just, ah, it's just locker rooms, just locker rooms, it's just locker rooms. Right. And too many people recognised it from their locker rooms, fucking clearly. But if you're a rich white man, you can get away with anything. Jimmy Savile, Chad Evans, right. Donald Trump. Oh my God, it's the same, so true. You it's the same thing. Anywhere. 
if you are a rich white man, you will always get away with it. You know, and it's it's always been sexist. Um, it, Don, uh, Donald Trump has five kids from three different women. If Hillary Clinton had five kids from three different men, she would not would be, be running oh, for president. Not even yeah. close. Or her husband. Yeah, but don't no. you feel that in in the sense of that Donald Trump had three wives, he goes to the like to to the church, they accept him, and all the followers. Said, "Oh yeah. yeah, it's okay that he's done yeah, that. 91% he's he's been right? yeah, like he they they. Oh, they were saying he was like a, a that's like King David or something. Like yeah. they were saying, God always uses the the man who's like fallen and like King David, like he saw Bathsheba Rational, on the roof, etc., etc." Yeah. Et and then he came to Jesus, basically, not King David, obviously that was pre-Jesus, but um, he had, he's had this conversion and that's who God, God's instrument, Republicans were saying that, God's instrument's always like that. Do they know he had a gay relationship? Did he? King David. Oh! <laughs> I was like, what? Why is this King And Donald Trump. <laughs> it's too late now, baby. He's got the keys. <coughs> yes. Um, hi. I, I apologise um, if this has actually already been covered, but I've kind of been in like, um, a haze of feminist um, reactions to the Trump apocalypse. Um, a lot of so I, so I don't know if you've covered this, but um, a lot of people have been talking about the unlikability of Clinton. And I'm wondering. Oh. What you could say on this, or maybe you just want to shed a few tears. Um. The, so people have been talking about the unlikability of Clinton, which they by which they mean womb. <laughs> the presence of the vagina. The presence of the womb. I, mean, I think it's more than that, but I want to hear from the panel. So my feminist confession is that I'm a feminist, but I worked for Obama in 2008 instead of Hillary. Soz. Because he was, and is it because he was more likable? It's because he was black. <laughs> so good answer. Uh, and what I did. To, uh, what I so I was I I went out to North Carolina and I was like, I've been on holiday to America, so I know America, and I was fed like you know British press, and I was like, he's got this. I'm gonna jump on this like winning race, just finish the job, uh, and then come back and get lots of jobs off the basis of it, which is working out very well. <laughs> Do the Women's Equality Party yes. know that's what you did? You just like now skated in at the eleventh right. hour and were at the, yeah. have photos right. with Obama at the party. Right. Yeah. And I, so I was also like, um, you know, so I, I was like, oh, he's got this one. And, and I was like, I get racial politics in America. Um, and I arrived in the Bible Belt of North Carolina um, and was like, shit. <laughs> like writing back home being like, he has not got this, you know, the telegram. He's not got it in the bag back to the UK. We need to do something. Um, and they sent me out. They thought it was hilarious to send out this British girl uh, canvassing uh, to get a feel for the campaign before I did uh, field organizing. And uh, because it is bizarre to uh, Americans in that particular area who maybe haven't traveled outside of the state uh, that a British girl knocks on their door. But I did. Uh, and so I knock on the door um, and this guy comes to the door and he's like, hey, 
and I'm like, oh, hello. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry to disturb you. Um, I'm just wondering. And I'm like head to toe in a Balma get up, right? But then like two days, I'm like, I've got that thing that Americans do where you have to talk about every place you've been on your jumper. And I've got like a baseball cap. And I've got like Obama earrings. And I'm like, I'm just wondering if you're going to be voting for Obama um, in the next election. Um, and this guy's like, he? And I'm like, Obama, Obama. Oh, oh, okay. So me and my boys, we were at the golf club. We were talking about this whole election thing that's coming up. And uh, we've, you know, we're Republican. We've always voted Republican. My granddad voted Republican. And, but, you know, since Sarah Palin is now on the ticket, I said to them, I said, would you want your wife to be president? Mm-hmm. And with that, it was a resounding no for we're going to be voting for Obama. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, sullied. I'm like, oh. have a badge, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's another t-shirt. Right, exactly, got the t-shirt. So they were voting for Obama but you to could keep so, Sarah Palin out. Right. Which we're more sexy than so Hillary. Which yes, good, good, but not because she was horrifying right. and a total idiot. Because she was female. Yes. And they had done this calculation, like, there's a slight chance that the president might get ill and maybe will die, and then possibly a woman might make it to the top for a brief period of time, and that is just not acceptable, so I'm switching sides. And it was just, wow, you know? And so, and so for as much as I think for this outcome, we have to look seriously at the, at the intersections between uh, race and class and gender and the way that those played out in very complicated ways and the ways in which w- w- white women chose to... Uh, retain and vote on their white privilege. Um, I also do think there was an amount of uh, people just either not identifying with the notion of a female president or uh, rejecting that outright and actively voting against that that prospect. God, you just don't think it's possible, do you? You just don't... I just... Oh. Ray. Sorry, my arm really hurts. I'm disabled, so... Uh, <laughs> I feel really, really scared at this current point. But I want to ask a really uncomfortable question, which is where do we draw the line white feminists because these people voted for Trump so it's not just like you know as you said not just the right wing candidate they voted for Trump can we really talk them around is it worth our energy and our time to keep talking around it's a genuine question I do not know the answer here or should we be concentrating our efforts on helping minorities and people that actually really need our support right now I have limited energy because I'm disabled I have to make this choice what is my choice? I can pass. I can go do that if I want to. I can go and try and talk around these people on the right. Mm. But is that a valuable use of our time, or do we need to organise now? Can I tell you? Can I? Can I tell you a really quick story? Um, living in Texas. I lived with a lovely, lovely girl who is a really good friend of mine and lives in the Netherlands now. Um, she was born Republican. She will always vote Republican. She voted Republican <laughs> in this this thing. She had a Jamaican nanny. I lived with her for two years and never met her parents. Why? Because I'm black. Though her parents know of me and they think I'm lovely. In theory. In, in theory. And it was to the point that Lauren knew that no matter how lovely I am and how much they liked me through the stories, the minute that they met me, it would taint everything that she had told them. 
So I never met them, which is fine. To be honest with you, I can't be bothered with people like that because at the end of the day, and I mean, they raised an amazing daughter. Like she has a mind of her own and she's decided that she does not care about race, gender, all that sort of stuff. And she's religious. She goes, she took me to like those, that massive church where there's like tons of people and which was so overwhelming. But at, at, at the end of the day, there are certain people who have been like generation through generation through generation have been taught something and they it's <laughs> to no fault of their own it's just been so ingrained that I think there is a section of people that we've completely lost and that's that's just the way it is but silver lining they have children who watch tv and if we stop producing these crappy shows that label certain races, there is a chance that they will change. I mean, if you think about it, at one time in America, black people couldn't sit on white toilets because they thought they would get some sort of disease. Guess what? We all share a bathroom now. So things change. Things do change. It takes a while, but it does change. So I think it's up to us to create environments for these young minds who come out and like that go to school or watch TV to to change that that thing even though they might hear their parents but if they're visually watching something because every kid is on technology it there is a possible to change that next generation or the generation after if if you take anything from this result it is the breadth of movement required to defeat uh, this level of misogyny and racism uh, one of the bravest decisions uh, that the Women's Equality Party took when it was created uh, was, and this was a hard decision, um, was to say that, they, that it would be nonpartisan. Um, and it chose to open its membership and its doors to people from across the entire political spectrum. It just said, anyone, even if you're a member of another political party, left or right, uh, you can be part of this movement too. Uh, and, it, and, and it also will fill joint candidates with all other political parties. Why? Because... We need such a big movement uh, to get this forward. And, and siphoning your, yourself off uh, to the left also doesn't work for me. Look, look at Brexit and, and uh, talking about short history and short-termism. Um, what happened was that uh, those towns and those places were neglected to a point they have never been before in history until they were on their knees uh, and that was a series of political choices. And in, tw in 2015, the Labour Party brought out a manifesto which said, we want to reaffirm, contrary to what has been said, we are in fact in favour of austerity. Um, those were political choices, and, and political choices that women would pay the price for that on both sides of the aisle. And so if you want to <laughs> counter that, uh, you absolutely have to work. And there are brilliant people working on the right and the left. The left does not have a monopoly on equality. And if it does, it's doing a terrible job of, of delivering on it. Do we have any other questions? Sorry, um, can I come up with that? Yes. You have to go. Oh my God, Grayson has to catch a train because yeah. she came down from oh, Manchester okay. for this. She came from the north, guys. She came from the north. Um, I really think, I, I've never heard Grayson speak 
publicly before. We've had amazing conversations, but I just felt really compelled. Like we threw this together in like literally last night I was crying going, there's nothing that can be done. And I just went, what about this? I'm going to Australia tomorrow. There's no more time. If I'm going to do it, it has to be tonight. And I thought, can I pull something together? Can I get a venue? Uh, can I get an audience? Like, can I get a panel? And I just, the one, the first thing I thought of is I want Grace on it if it happens. So I just reached out to her and said, could you come? And she went, she just went, are you serious? Like, of course I will come. And I knew she was in Manchester and I was like, you know, it's it, you know, like, cause British people, we don't travel for stuff. Like we're like, <laughs> it's a, what on a train? No, I'm, cause in, a British person would say, no, I'm in Manchester, right? They'd be like, no, I'm in Manchester, but she's Canadian. So for her, that's like saying I'm in Peckham <laughs> relatively. So, you know, I'll be able to get there by tomorrow. Yeah, she even started walking early. And uh, to be fair, I love the train. Oh. <laughs> Every single time I get on and I'm like, is that why you're dressed in your train driver's uniform? Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, yeah. I... I <laughs> slightly. Little, with a little cap, you know. It's cute. These freaking things are the greatest thing ever. There's so many pockets. It's like, yeah. it is... I can do everything I want to carry hammers in it. It's a fan-freaking-tastic. Okay, Grayson is an architect, not a serial killer. Uh, I just really want to say an enormous thank you to Grayson Lane for being so honest. Look out for her blog. Uh, I really, really want to clarify, I love white people. Half my family is white. Sure, some of your best we, friends are white. We get some, it. Yeah. 99% of my friends are white. Um, you just like being served before them at a bar. Yeah, I just like to be served before you all because, well, look at me. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I want to say thank you. I am... I mean, she just threw this together and look how many people are in the room. And then I was reading, I didn't get my tickets. I didn't get my tickets. And I just thought to myself, wow, I, I am oh, like, I am, I'm grieving inside, but I am so overwhelmed by how many people came out to hear it who under, I don't know if you understand it, but you're trying to understand it and who want to make a change. And I mean, I applaud you and I am, starting to look up being like, oh, maybe some people do want to be my friend um, and stand up for me. So I thank you. I thank you a lot. And if you have a friend that is a minority of any sorts, give them a hug because right now, every minority I talk to is feeling like I am invisible. And as of this moment, I no longer feel invisible. So thank you. That's something I want to take a picture of. Just stay standing for a sec. I just want to take a picture of that because that's the nicest thing I've seen since Brexit. The fucking you guys. Thank you. Thank you. done tonight by coming together is to make Grace and Lane not feel invisible. That was something, you know, and that was the big thing that I kept hearing in my head. Can we be more visible? 
Can we be heard? And I think a lot of people didn't show up at the polls because they felt not heard. Like, even though they'd had a black president, they still had the Black Lives Matter movement under a black president. A lot of people didn't feel served. They didn't feel heard. They didn't feel visible. So they said, why bother showing up? And I th honestly think the counter is slightly what you said about not... Uh, Ray said... Uh, uh, Ray, I know. Um, Ray said, uh, like, are we going to spend all our time on the internet trying to convince people who don't want to hear? Or are we going to help each other and, and see and notice the privilege we have? Everyone in this room has influence and privilege or we wouldn't be at the fucking hospital club. Do you know what I mean? We've turned up, we've got, we heard the podcast, we, we, someone sent us a link. We must have, by virtue of the fact that we're here, can we see more people, hear more people and bring more people? Like more than anything, I want the guilty feminist to be more diverse. And I'm aware a lot of the time it's white women talking to white women and I'm really trying to shift that, you know? And it takes a while, we haven't even been going a year. You know, we've had various guests of color, but I'm really trying to shift that in terms of our, you know, our, our, uh, how we represent people of color and, and queer people and all sorts of things in the next year coming up. And even Global Pillage, this other thing that I do, I'm trying to book it more diversely all the time because it's so easy for anything to become the white lady club because I'm a white lady. And you have to just get awareness of your own privilege. You just have to get hold of it and go and talent scout and look and ask and also understand that people need to be asked and given more and more opportunities for inclusion and, and asked again. And if they're nervous and they don't say much, ask them again because White men have so much fucking confidence. It's the product of their fucking experience. They've been asked to speak 3,000 times. They probably will be better than a woman of color who's never been asked to speak before. So you, we just have to keep asking again and including again until people feel like they belong. Like, we just have to. And I just feel like if it's not us in this room who bothered to come out tonight, who is it? If it's not us, who's going to? So we need to bring people of color along and we need to start saying, you're welcome, you belong here. Sadia Asmat came onto the stage and she went, oh, it's, it's very white, isn't it? I feel quite Asian. Oh, in front of the audience. And I felt so embarrassed. I was like, mm. oh my God. She was like, you know, like, don't hate me because I'm wearing a scarf. And we were like, no. And she said, when they applaud, the audience applauded her about something she said about the scarf, she went, I was so surprised. I'm not used to white people like applauding the scarf. And she was genuinely nervous in that space, you know. And it was an amazing episode because she talked about it so frankly. But we just do need to galvanize a bit more, I think. Like, I'm trying as I really am trying now, but I haven't been aware of it that long. And I'm aware how unaware I've been, actually. And I feel like I've now talked too much, but you have your hand up. Okay. Um, I just raised my hand up when you were talking about how men feel so included. And I wasn't sure if I should say anything or shouldn't say anything, but um, I'm Bulgarian. You should not have said that. That's, <laughs> it's gone I, wrong. I um, know, no, you I should know. have. You should have. No, I know. And it, this is it's not a question. It's a, uh, it, it, it's a request for advice. I came here in 2009 and I was invited. I was invited by a university because I was performing well. And they said, hey, you, come here because it's better and we're going to make a good thing out of you. And then suddenly a couple of years after, things going to shits, <laughs> literally, and Farage and everything. And I'm a gay woman. And I'm standing here where Brexit has happened on one side. And I don't know what to do with my person because I happen to be the worst European that could be, Bulgarian or, uh, or Romanian. I did not have Knocking things over. <laughs> Coming over here, knocking around glasses. <laughs> But on the other hand, I have my father.
area. So up here, I've been told several times by many people, you're not white, are you? You're not exactly mm. white, are you? That was, that was news for me, because I come from a very racist country. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but we are the white ones. <laughs> exactly. And my father is terribly homophobic and terribly racist. And I stand in this position where I'm a gay woman in this country, but people don't seem to like me very much. And then back home, my father seems to think that I'm abnormal and not okay. So, like, and I, the thing is, I am, after all this, I'm still very privileged. I have a great education. I will be an architect one day. <laughs> We'll have a whip round, it'll be fine. <laughs> I have energy and I want to do something. Advise me, tell me, I will do it. Person in the audience, what's your name? Katya. Katya. Katya said uh, she was invited to Bul from Bulgaria to Britain in 2009, where it was an invitation and Britain was an open place, and then it's, it, Brexit's happened and it's gone to shit. Um, and also, but at home, she's not accepted by her father because uh, she's a lesbian and he's very homophobic. So she feels uh, like, what can she do with her energy? She's going to be an architect. What can she do? Panel, Katja needs you. <laughs> Shazia. <laughs> what, 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 like Pilates and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, reformer Pilates is amazing. I don't know if you've tried it, but Frame in Shoreditch does classes for £20. And it's really good. I don't think it's come to Bulgaria yet. So I think that you I should try... it's come to Bulgaria. You should try that out. Um, seriously, though, what do you guys... Where... Where... Like, where does Katja put this energy? She should because... fight for the things that she believes in. Um, so whatever you believe in, you should, you should go and uh, put your energy into that. And, and, and you say you don't feel welcome since Farage has, uh, has been here. Then you go and protest on the streets. You know, um, uh, sign a petition. That's what all white middle-class women do. Um, <laughs> and, um, um, you know, start some campaign. I mean, because uh, you know what? I think Western feminism is working for white women. It's not working for Muslim women. Muslim women are being attacked all over the world. And it's not working for them. And so when white women go on about feminism, it's working for them. It's helping them. It's not helping Muslim women. They still can't marry who they want. They're still being forced into arranged marriages. They're still being held at gunpoint on a French beach, telling them to strip off their clothes. It's not working for them. And I thought feminism was not just what you do for yourself. It's what you do for all women. So if you're not doing... You're, clearly, Western feminism is not doing something right because there are large groups of women that are still suffering. Wow. Hannah, do you have any thoughts for Katja? Um, <clears throat> Can she have a job at the Women's Equality Party? <laughs> yes, it's called, it's called uh, volunteering, and we just <laughs> we opened for applications this week. Um, you don't have an architect, um, do you? Yet? No, but we do have our conference, a, d a debate on women in the built environment. So... 28th of Manchester. 28th of Manchester. 25th. 25th of Manchester. 
Um, I was just going to say uh, the um, the insight that you had in your sort of uh, having come here from Bulgaria, um, I think is an important one and just um, being able... Uh, questioning whiteness and what whiteness means and I feel like I wish that you could offer tours where it's like so you think you're white well you know and then like I mean it's an important discovery to, I mean it, it's it's a it's a small glimpse into like what uh, lack of privilege is like but it's a very important one for people to have that moment of realizing oh wow the world is really really vast and I've been used to being on top of it and pretty much like oh I've got it dicked you know and that it, it is that mentality and of being in the position of being like, oh, actually, this whiteness thing has always been relative. And if you mm -hmm. go further down that rabbit hole, which only some will, but I mean, just tearing through that a little bit is so important for, for certain people to really continue to go down that path. I mean, not that you have the time to set up like a cruise, you know, to like <laughs> tour people over, but like having that insight, especially for, you know, um, uh, a culture's identity, I think is really important. And because of globalization, I think a lot more realizations are going to start happening, hopefully positive ones. When I, when I first moved to America, um, I got uh, really weird anxiety, and um, I got therapy. It's not weird. I, I got it's, therapy. Yeah. No good. You uh, need it there. Yeah. And, uh, and one of the things, yeah, I mean, it didn't work at all, but um, one of the things, it turned out I was just trying to assimilate uh, by uh, taking Xanax, um, but one of the things that I discovered... Uh, we are all so medicated. Right, That's partially so the problem. Medicated. It's partially it's the problem. We are all high as right, balls. It's right. <laughs> the problem. Like, we... we but, I mean, it's like, of course Trump's... Like, he's just, like, denying reality and everyone's like yes keep denying the reality munching yeah. pills <laughs> one of the things my therapist uh, said to me was um you know it's it's possibly in this context um you, you know back home you're like super outgoing like gregarious shouty and uh in the context of america you're like really shy because they are like that times a million um and that was really a learning thing for me and i had thought our cultures were very similar and I actually found it more shocking, in a sense, going and living in, America, in a place which I had assumed that our cultures were similar and finding that they were so different because the cues are just... When, cue, when like, social cues are slightly different, it's a real head fuck as compared, compared to when you're preparing for them to be really different. So you're there to learn. Yeah. But when you, you think, I don't need to learn because I, I get this, then you, you, know, you close that, that whole thing down. Um, but yeah, really, I, I think you can definitely, yeah, do those tours. <laughs> I, I, I think sit, be, and be, uh, what you did tonight, include yourself, be seen, be heard, be seen, be heard. Say, I want to be an architect. What do I have to do? Who do I have to meet? Email Grayson. I want a coffee with you. I will. Include, <laughs> we, you, include yourself. There's a hand here. Grayson's words really brought me to tears. Um, primarily, you know, I'm six and a half months pregnant now. So I've got a, uh, a girl coming into this mm. world who will be a girl of color and who will be, um, having to embrace a world that is perhaps, well, certainly not at a place where um, that will it, will will it be accepting of her, and who um, I will somehow have to um, <clears throat> equip with the tools to to face uh, those or individuals who aren't ready to accept her for who she is. Um, I might uh, look at her uh, for the fact that she is a woman, the fact that she um, is a woman of, of colour, as opposed to the skills and the 
uh, her ability and her strength. Um, and, you know, I don't want to instill any fear or any apprehension about the world into her, but I want to be able to, you know, get her ready. Um, and just all the words that we've been, like we started on a conversation around, you know, let's not be, let's not be too optimistic. Let's not be positive because we need to accept how, how difficult the times are. Uh, we talked about, you know, history and having, and learning about the, the past so it doesn't repeat itself. But there was some sort of realization that things that are happening now, they've happened in the past and, you know, are they going to happen again? Is this just cyclical? Is this human nature? Is this what we're stuck in? Um, I guess I just want some hope. <laughs> I, uh, I do. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of slightly oddly satisfied by the fact that you now, having cried at Grayson, have now made Catcher cry. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the sobbing baton passes. <laughs> She's now weeping for your unborn child. Another too, fabulous time of comedy too. at the Guilty Feminist. I did umbrella this at the top by saying it might not all be comedy tonight. For some nights it isn't, and some nights it needs to be something else, and, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, hope. Uh, we were promised hope and change. Uh, Desiree Birch, you're making a face. No, I'm like, I have nothing to say about that. We are always promised. Yeah, we're always promised these things. And it's and it's um, it's so much nicer to believe it when it's becoming from some smooth black guy. It's the first time you've ever seen him going like, hey, hope and change, baby. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and Remember I mean, that time and, he slow jammed the news? Yeah, right. <laughs> that was so great. Uh, and I, I want and, him to slow and, jam the news every night and for the news to be things are great. And to me, like, I didn't give a shit about the hope or change. I The representation was enough. My, my memory that I will always have is the night that like the whole family walked out on stage, you know, and, and, you know, and Michelle was in that fucking hunger games dress with the flames coming up and they were out there and I was just like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, but you know, and I mean, it's so, it seems so minute, but like something like that completely like cracks your heart open to see yourself in a place that you've never seen, you know, or to see some version of yourself. And I don't, you know, I, I like, it's a painful to listen to, you know, knowing that like, obviously you are going to be an incredible parent to this daughter that you're having. And and, you know, all parents have to equip their children, but that, you know, the focus here is is on coping and surviving and not, you know, like thriving and, not, you know, and because not everybody can be a straight white man. But like, you know, and, and you know, I, I like to look on the, the, the bright side of like, you will have such a like, you know, empathetic uh, young daughter who will be able to, you know, connect to many people and understand things and be a very brilliant, perspicacious human being because she has seen so much from you know so young in her life but at the same time like you want her to go out there and be guileless and stupid and dream all of the big things and be like I can do it because I said so you know and that's not you know a luxury she's going to be afforded and I I, I forgot the question no I it's, it's, you know because it's, it's about like how to give hope you're carrying the messiah I think is what she's saying <laughs> you know I, I <laughs> guys I just um, just because I'm I'm worried that for, for a lot of people have still got their hands up, but for some people, I worry this is becoming a hostage situation. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, is this ever going to end? What I just do want to say is it was so hard to get a venue because I started ringing venues like too late for like after play last night. 
And so Priya was just like janitors answering the phone going, what? Um, so uh, someone at the hospital club picked up the phone and they said, uh, they all, oh, well, this is you know, going to be a lot of money to hire it. And I was like, oh, really, we can't afford that. And they went, well, this event that you're talking about sounds so good. Could we, if we could have invite some members, you could have it here. And I was like, okay, but we've got a lot of people that want to come already. And they were like, that's okay, that's okay. Um, because we just really want to have this in this space. So they they mm. partnered, they gave us this space for free. The next day, also they said they'd call us back. And I was like, they're not gonna call us back. They're a private members club, they don't call you back. <laughs> I was woken up by a phone call this morning. Um, we want to do this, we want to partner with you. They gave us the whole space wow. for free. They said, please tell your guests they can stay on as long as they want afterwards. It's not like a members thing where, get out, get out, you've had your thing. Um, they gave a, a bar tab for the, for the, peop the panelists. Like, we didn't ask them for that. So, I know. Uh, oh, no sorry. Were you not told? I was like, I've been I buying my drinks. I've not been offered a drink since I got here. Oh, my no. God. Oh. Get her a drink, get her a drink. Is that true? I've got such bad clack. I'm so sorry about that. That's terrible. I yell the mail. And, and, uh, yeah, and, it, and they also said, uh, please let everybody know we're, uh, we're open for membership. Please apply if you're somebody who would like to use this space or whatever. And I know private memberships are, are, are not affordable for everyone, so I don't want to be unegalitarian when I say that. But at the same time, I want to say, the hospital club have been really lovely to us and they just want, liked the spirit of what we were doing and most clubs would have charged us thousands for this and we yeah. couldn't have come here. And they just went, do you know what? The room's empty. Let's have it full of lovely people saying a lovely thing. And uh, they just kept extending the guest list all day. They were like, oh, well, okay. I was like, there's more people. And they were like, okay, have some more. Um, and they've wow. been really lovely. So uh, just a big round of applause for the... For the <laughs> And people, there's. Oh, okay. Whose question didn't get answered? What was your question that didn't get answered? Oh yeah, if 16-year-olds had been able to vote, we wouldn't have had a Brexit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Most, a lot of the people who voted for Brexit will be dead by the time we Brexit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, that, and a lot of people who voted for Trump will die soon. So there's, you know, there's so, a, yay. a positivity. Um, I think Trump will die soon. <laughs> I think he's going to be assassinated. I like you sound like you know someone. <laughs> I know people. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> The JFKs and the Martin Luther Kings that get assassinated. Yeah. Don't you forget, Bill, as Bill Hicks said, Ronald Reagan was assassinated and they missed. They missed, like they yeah. Like, Dick they Cheney's still Trump. alive. They, they won't miss Trump. Uh, well, yeah, you sound like you've had a sniper. Very noticeable. <laughs> hey, I mean, he's I'm already red. Twice. I'm not the president of business. <laughs> they might uh, just knock his wig off. Um, uh, he's so, he'll blow did, up and come back. Did, did you want to hear anything back from the. the no, it was just that because obviously there was an acceptance of yes, freedom okay. and, and pain and everything, but just that. Maybe there is hope that the, the young people and the generation that there are consuming media 
online, but yet it's positive media because they're voting in a positive way and they're looking for a positive Sorry if that's no, no, I, I, no I it's think, always it's needed. It's always needed to say there's a new generation and we can be part of it, and no matter what age we are, if we're 31 like me, or we're, <laughs> or we're older like people who've already turned 38 and learned things about themselves. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, gang. I'm really sorry. I, I do have to go in a minute, so I just want a tiny thing. Yeah. Sorry, was it Ray? The, Ray. Um, just the, the thing about the energy to engage with white feminists and try and mm. and make them intersectional feminists that you said about. Um, I sympathize with the energy thing. I'm sure I have more than you, but I have bipolar disorder in my meds. I have very few spoons at the start of every day. Um, and recently part of the shitstorm on the Guilty Feminist group, one of the threads that I think would, that was coalescing around was about uh, sex work. Mm. And um, uh, I commented as a sex worker and I did that because I had the energy at the time and there was this massive tidal wave of uh, uh, people talking about, anyway, uh, people saying bad things that were wrong. Um, <laughs> and I, most days I don't have the energy for that because when you engage on a comment thread like that, it will just... Snowball. Oh, it does take your day. Yeah. And, and your energy. And so yeah. I would say to people like uh, Katia um, and anyone else who, whenever you have the energy, seek out those threads. Like, we're not going to turn every non intersectional feminist into an intersectional feminist, but look for those threads and look for the people who are saying the right things and just chime in and even liking the post or replying to say you agree and bolster it. And then also look for the people who, who, who might be turned and then add your voice and support because when you're the lone or one mm. of the lone voices of reasons in those threads, it, we've all been on comment threads with men. Um, and it can be like, it is exactly like that when you're a person in uh, a minority, either uh, gender or sexual, or, or I'm, sh I'm sure race, or it, it is like pushing back against uh, a tidal wave. And yeah, when you have the energy, if you have the energy, that's what you can, can do. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, we've all got lots to take away. We're obviously all going to be very busy doing all of these things. Uh, being more intersectional, uh, being more heard, being more seen. Um, so I just wanted to give everyone a huge round of applause for coming. Uh, applause for Grace and Lane again. Um, Avery Edison! Crucially, though, um, the person who is the reason we're here, actually, um. who would be embarrassed <laughs> to say her own name, Deborah Francis White. <laughs> <laughs> With me, Democrat Carrie Quinlan, my guest co-host, our special guest. The producer was Tom Selinski for the Spontaneity Shop. Music was by Mark Hodge. Thanks to Joe, Roman, Dom, Matt, and everyone at the hospital club who really have been fucking amazing, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, please visit guiltyfeminist.com.
so much. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. And thank you to our wonderful... Can I just say thank you to our wonderful men in the audience who've come out and supported. I really... I fucking love the men in our audience. They just sit... I fucking love the men in our audience. And they really say... Do you know what? They really go, oh, I need the mic. Normally you do these things and, people, and, a, and a man will go, so I've got some comments. And then they'll... They're real. They will. And I love that our men like, are here to listen and learn and exchange. And they're just amazing. So thank you so much for that. Thank you to all of you. Thank you to everybody who included themselves and asked a question. Everyone who included themselves by turning up tonight. Everybody who included themselves. Be seen, be heard, include. Thank you very much. Yeah.